Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. 
Midfree Church, Idaho, and ReformPastor.net. Man, guys, I, I hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I am. Every morning is a great morning when I'd be able to wake up with my king, right? And uh, so I hope you guys are having a great day. Let's turn on a little bit of music here. I love Josh Snodgrass, man. He's just so awesome. You ever get a chance to see him on YouTube, man? Um, go for it, man. He's great. I love him to death. I don't know him, but, you know, he's a brother in the Lord, so works out. So, guys, uh, we're continuing our study here in uh, the book of Romans. And, and, and the last few weeks I've been in on this series in Rome, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And, and I would like to end that series today um, in those verses, in those two verses, right? But uh, a couple of announcements before we get before we get started. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. Um, we're, you know, we have a whole intercessory prayer team that's set up to pray over your prayer requests. It's not a charismatic thing. It's just a prayer team that focuses on your prayers. And I don't mean charismatic in a bad way. Okay. So that, that guys don't trip out on that, please. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of charismatic churches have intercessory prayer teams and they do a lot of weird stuff with it, but we don't, we're, we just have a prayer team that is, uh, set up to pray over your prayer request every day. Um, so go to madefreechurch.org. There's a prayer request tab there. And uh, we believe in the power of prayer and the sufficiency of prayer. So, um, yeah. So let's get into this. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you bless this study um, as we go into the word of God, Lord. That you... Um, That you just have your way, God. You know, get this lovely preacher out of the way, Lord, and let your word go through, Lord. Just use me as a vessel to preach your word this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. There it is. All right. So, you know, in, in Romans 12, the apostle... Paul begins applying the doctrine that he has been teaching uh, for the previous 11 chapters. Now, I'm not saying that he has not made no application in those previous chapters. He has. But <clears throat> he begins chapter 12 in a sense of saying, in the light of all that I have taught, how should we live? So let's, let's read Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, years ago, James Montgomery Boyce's radio program known as Bible Study Hour prepared a brochure that compared the world's thinking and the biblical teaching in six important areas. God, man, the Bible, money, sex, and success, right? The differences were striking, but the most notable 
was how many of the world's ideas seem to be considered critically and biblically. We hear the world's approach given out so often, so attractively, so persuasively on television that it is imperative that we think critically about it. Here's some of the world's statements about that the Bible study hour printed. He says, this is the world's statements, right? It says, I matter most and the world exists to serve me. Whatever satisfies me is that is what it's what's important. If I earn enough money, I'll be happy. I need money to provide security for me and my family. Financial security will protect me from hardships. Anything is acceptable as long as it doesn't hurt the other person. Success is a path of fame, wealth, pleasure, and power. Look out for number one. What what about what the Christians you know, the Christian way. You know, from, from the world's perspective, the Christian way doesn't look that attractive. You know, even right, right? It says such thing as this. God is in control of all things and has a purpose for everything that happens. Man exists to glorify God. Money cannot shield us from heartbreak, failure, sin, disease, or, dis- or disaster. Success in God's kingdom means humility and service to others. You know, because we're so much part of the world and so little like Jesus Christ, even Christians often find God's way in appealing. You know, we, we're pressed on in that we're pressed on in that way and proved by our lives that the will of God is really good and acceptable and perfect in all things. You know, it, it's significant that this is where Paul's statement about being transformed by the renewal of the mind rather be being conformed to this world and 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 they end with testing the way of god to be the best way and the will of god to be perfect this means that action is needed right god is not producing christians with the world's worldview he is forming people who will prove the value of God's way by conscious choices and deliberate obedience. This point was expressed by a well-known um, a Scottish guy named uh, Robert uh, Kendlish, right? He, he, he exegetes, uh, uh, he, he's, he's, you know, of the 19th century, right? And he wrote this. The believer's transfor- transformation by renewing the mind is not the ultimate end which the Holy Spirit seeks in his regenerating or renovating work. It is the immediate and primary design of that work. In one sense, we are created anew in Christ. That new creation is what the Holy Spirit first aims at and affects. But we, but we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them in Ephesians 2.10. The essence of a good work is doing the will of God, the testing of the will of God. Therefore, it is fitting sequel for our being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, today's Bible study, I want to examine what it means to test what is God's 
good and acceptable and perfect will. Right? First, God has a good, acceptable, and perfect will for each of us. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind by testing that by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Today, when Christians talk about discovering the will of God, that uh, what, what they usually have in mind is praying until God somehow discloses a specific direction for their lives. You know, who, the, who, sh who they should marry, what job they should take, whether they should be missionaries or what house they should buy and so on. This is not exactly what, what this is not exactly what by testing you may discern the, what the will of God means, nor is it what Romans 12.2 is teaching. The will of God is far more important than that. In 1980, Gary Freina is a professor of uh, Malama School of, of the Bible and, uh, you know, J. Robinson Maxson, a pastor of uh, Kalamath, Oregon, wrote a popular book uh, entitled decision-making and the and the will of God they distinguish between three meanings of the word will right one God's sovereign will which is hidden and is not revealed to us except as it unfolds in history two God's moral will which is revealed in scripture right and three God's specific will for individuals which is what people are usually thinking about when they speak of searching for or finding God's will. Now, these authors rightly accepted the first two of these wills, but disagreed on with the idea that God has a specific will for each person and that it is the duty of the individual believer to find that will or live in the center of it. Now, see, I'm a student of the Reformation Bible College, and you know, I was um, I was in a lecture with with Steve Lawson, and I had the opportunity, along with several other students, to have a Q and A with 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 Dr. Lawson in in an online forum, right? And we shared with him what we thought of that his lecture was helpful in many ways. For example, it was helpful in exposing the weakness of subjective methods in determining guidance. It was also helpful because it stresses on scripture as the sufficient and authoritative guide in the moral mat in in all moral matters, right? However, we spent most of the time expressing our belief that God indeed has a specific will for Christians. Now, we may not know what that specific will is. And, you know, we we do not need to be under, you know, pressure to discover it. Right, fearing that we may miss it or somehow we'll be doomed to life outside the center of God's will. We are free to make decisions with what light and wisdom we possess, right? We can know that God does have a perfect will for us, that the Holy Spirit is praying for us in accordance with that will. And that is the will of God 
for us will be done because God has decreed it and because the Holy Spirit is praying for us in this area. Now, still having said this, you know, I need to add that this is not primarily what Romans 12.2 is talking about when God speaks of God's will, right? In this verse, will is the will is to be interpreted in its context and the context indicate that the will of god that we are to follow is the general will of the offering our bodies as a living sacrifice refusing to be conformed to this world's ways instead of being transformed within the renewal of our minds it is this that we are to pursue and to find to be good and acceptable and uh, perfect through. And of course, if we do it, we will also find ourselves working out the details of God's specific will for our lives. So, first, God has a good and acceptable and perfect will for each of us, right? Second, the will of God is as good and acceptable and perfect. This teaches us about the nature of God's will for us. The will of God is good, right? In in a in the general way, the will of God for every Christian is revealed in the Bible. You see, you know, I'm I'm disappointed when it when I hear Christians say, and usually in prayer they say, Oh God, please make so and so all that he could be. The Bible is very clear of what God's will is for every Christian. Paul tells us in Romans 8.29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God's will for every Christian is to become more and more like Jesus. But God has, has given specific instructions about what that will looks like. Like the Ten Commandments contain specific instructions about God's will for every Christian. It is God's will that we have no other gods before Him, that we worship Him by the you, but by we we worship Him by not using images, right? That we do not misuse His name, that we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, that we honor our parents and we do not murder or commit adultery or steal or give false testimony or covet, right? Jesus amplified these commandments and added others like, um, it is God's will that we be holy in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It is God's will that we should pray in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And above all, Jesus taught that we are to love each other in John 15.12. Right? Like he lifted that up a lot to love each other. So these things do not often seem good to us because we are far from God and we're still thinking the world's way. Nevertheless, they are good, which we will discover if we obey God in these areas and put his will into practice. As one of the great Roman commentators, Robert Hadlin says, the will of God is distinguished as good because however much the mind may oppose to it and how much soever we may think that it curtails our pleasures and mars our, our enjoyment, obedience to God leads us to our happiness.
Second, the will of God is acceptable, but acceptable to whom? Not to God, of course, right? But it's obvious God's will is acceptable to himself. You know, when, when Paul says that God's will is acceptable, he's obviously meaning acceptable to us. That means if we determine to walk in God's way, refusing to be conformed to the world, but being transformed instead of instead being by the renewal of our minds, we will not have to fear that at the end of our lives we'll look back and be dissatisfied or bitter. Judging our lives has been an utter waste. On the contrary, we will look back and conclude that our lives were well lived and be satisfied with them. For, you know, for as Hannah Moore, she's an English prophet or poet, not prophet, a poet and philanthropist said, no man ever repented of being a Christian on his deathbed. Let, let me let me say that again. No man ever repented of being a Christian on his deathbed. So I think that's exactly right, and that's exact. And, and it's what's Paul saying. And third, that the, the the will of God is perfect, right? There are a number of words in the Greek language that are translated by the word perfect. One is akribos, right? Which we get our word accurate meaning correct right another word is kata kata karditidos i can never say the i murder these greek words it's funny which means well fitted to specific end like a perfect solution to a puzzle the the word in romans 12 2 is different it's telios right which has the thought of something that has attained its full destiny that is complete it could be used on on one who is mature or a mature adult right it, it is used of jesus who became complete or a perfect man in 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 our text it means that those who do not who do the will of god discover that it is not lacking in any respect there is a satisfying wholeness about it to put it in a negative form it means that if we reach the end of our lives and that are dissatisfied with them this only means that we have been living in the world's way and that and then and and have been conformed to it rather been rather than have been conf uh, transformed by the renewing of our minds does that make sense i hope that makes sense right we will been living for ourselves rather than for God. So first, God has a perfect, acceptable, perfect will for each of us. Second, the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Third, the will of God is to be tested. Paul says by that by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Right in Romans twelve two. This is exact. Is this is the exact opposite of a normal way of thinking? Usually, we want God to tell us what His will is for us, and after that, that we want to be able to decide whether it is good and acceptable and perfect, and thus whether or not we want to do it. Right? 
Romans 12, 2 tells us that we have to start living in God's way. That That is the only as we do the will, begin to know the fullness and learn how good he really is. Candle uh, uh, just says, the will of God can be known only by trial. No one is a partaker of the finite nature who occupies the position of the subject or servant under the authority of God, under his law, can understand what the will of God is otherwise through actual experience. You cannot explain to him beforehand what the will of God is and what are its attributes and characteristics. He must learn for this himself. And he must learn it experimentally. He must test his own person and his own personal history what is that good and acceptable perfect will of god the word test is a ver is is a verse it's, it's a fascinating verse I and mean, a fascinating word right the idea that we are to test by experience that god's will is good and acceptable and perfect according to candlish every free and intelligent creature has been called to test the will of God in order to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. First, the angels were to test the will of God. We are told much about this, but actually we're not really told that much about it. But it is clear that some of the angels did not test the will of God to discover that it is good and acceptable and perfect. They rebelled against the will of God and were thrown out of heaven and became demons. Second, Adam was to test the will of God. God told Adam that he could eat of all the trees in the Garden of Eden. He simply could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, Adam did not think that the will of God was acceptable, was good, acceptable, and perfect. He was told that he would be like God, knowing good and evil in Genesis 3, 5. And he decided that he wanted to be like God. So he disobeyed God, and instead of becoming like God, he brought sin, judgment, and death upon himself and to all humankind. Third, Jesus was to test the will of God. Jesus came on this earth, to this earth. His purpose, in part, was to test, to test by experience that the will of God for his life was good, acceptable, and perfect, even though it eventually involved the pain of the cross, which hardly seemed good and acceptable and perfect. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed that the cross might be taken from him when he said, in Matthew 26, 39, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And he added, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, of course, the father did not withdraw the cup of his wrath from him, right? And Jesus tested and, and, and Jesus tested and submitted himself to the will of God to the very end of his life. Kendallish writes about Jesus testing the will of God. He says this, it must have been it often was with him a struggle and effort to do the will of God. It was not easy, 
It was not pleasant. It was self-denial, self-sacrifice, self-crucifixion throughout. It was repulsive to the highest and the holiest instinct of his pure humanity. It laid upon him the most oppressive burdens. It brought him to the most distressing scenes. It involved him in careless and ceaselessness, often thankless toil. It exposed him to all sorts of uncongenial encounters with evil men and evil angels, but he tested it. And in this testing of it, he and he was he found it to be good, acceptable, and perfect. I, I repeated that. Sorry about that, guys. But anyway. And finally, Christians are to test the will of God. God has called us to himself. He has saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he has been given the Holy Spirit. He has called us to test that his will is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, now, who is to do that, right? You are, right? You are to do it in the precisely earthly circumstances into which God has placed you. How are you to do it? You are to do it experimentally. That is, by actually putting the revealed will of God to the test. When are you to do that? Right now, tomorrow, day after that. You are to do it repeatedly and consistently and faithfully throughout your life until the day of your death or until Jesus comes, right? Why are you doing that? Because it is the right thing to do and because the will of God really is good and acceptable and perfect. Kendall just said this. Of the fashion of the world, it may be truly said that the more you try it, the less you'll find it be satisfying. It looks well, it looks fair at first, but who that but who that has lived long has not found it to be vanity at last. You know, it, it, it is together otherwise with the will of God, right? That often looks worse at the beginning. It seems to be dark, right? on with you testing of it test it patiently perseveringly with prayer and pains and you will get the growing clearness light enlargement and joy you will you you will be more and you will more and more find that the path of the just is the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day for wisdom says our ways are pleasantness and her paths are peace the judgments of the lord are true and righteous altogether more to be desired than gold right than much fine gold sweeter than any honey or any honeycomb moreover by they by them is thy servant warned in keeping of them these there is great reward. So first, God has a good, acceptable, perfect will for each of us. And second, the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. And third, the will of God is to be tested. Now, let me close 
with Paul's appeal, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing what may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, may God help you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by testing you may discern the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't that a blessing? Wow. You know, God is, you know, most unsaved don't get it. They, they don't understand why we have such hope in Jesus. They don't understand why we have much hope in God. We have scriptures, you know, we have the, the, the infallible word of God. And our forefathers before us preaching the word of God. You know. Anyway. Oh, man, what a blessing. What a huge blessing. So, guys, um, that is the end of the series on Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it's a blessing to you guys. Guys, just a couple of more announcements before we go. Uh, we have planted a church here in um, Weezer, Idaho. And uh, we need your help. We need your financial help. But most of all, we need your prayers. We need your prayers that God helps us financially get this uh, church launched. I mean, we're so behind in building. Uh, we're going to be out there Saturday um, morning between 10 and, and 7. And, and we're going to be building walls and stuff. So if you guys would like to come out, you guys are in Weezer, Idaho, and you guys want to come out and uh, you know help us out with building, we're going to be at 25 State Street, Weezer, Idaho, in downtown Weezer. We're going to be in the, our, our doors in the back of the building. So if you guys want to come in, cool, just knock. And then if you guys do come in, just go to the left and go down the stairs. And we're down in the basement. So um, if you guys want to help out, that'd be great. But if you guys can really kind of um, help out financially, that would be awesome too. Because we may just end up stopping for a while because we don't have the money. I'm not sure yet. You know, God, God. that you just do a mighty work in us, Heavenly Father. We thank you for all that you do, Lord. Please, God. Bless our hands and feet today as we go out and work. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Guys, you guys have a great, great day. God bless you guys. And we will see you on Friday. God bless.